Well, I'm excited to bring a word this morning, and the verse that I wanted to start with is Psalm 127.3. So, behold, the children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. And having a baby dedication is a good time to talk about the blessing of children coming from the Lord, seeing them as from the Lord. Now, I'm not sure if you've noticed this or not, because it's kind of happening all around us. I don't know how you can not notice it. But election time makes people crazy. There are some really crazy people out there right now. I personally am tired of getting phone calls and texts to tell me how to vote. How the heck did I get my number? That's what I want to know. All right, are you ready for this to be over? Two more days? Is anybody else? Okay. But I want to say this. The most controversial uh, vote for Christians is, is this proposal three. And I'm not going to tell you how to vote, okay? I'm not going to tell you how to vote on it. Because when you tell an adult what to do, it's almost a knee-jerk reaction that they do the opposite. Am I right? I mean, I remember when I was working as a teacher in this school, and there was a guy who was crazy, because it was election time, and he was in my face kind of telling me how to vote. Like, I'm supposed to vote for the candidates that are going to help my union job is basically what the, the message was from him. And he was insistent on it, and I really hated it for it. I just didn't, I didn't like that. He don't like somebody tell me what to do. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it doesn't really work. So I, I will tell you that I vote biblically. I vote biblically. My goal is always to look through God's eyes when I vote look through his word, and I preached a message last month, um, just not too long ago, God is for life, and if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, and you look at that message and you see that it comes from the word of God, then you'll know exactly how I voted and how Jesus would vote today. I get asked that question all the time. I just got that question, text me this, how do you think Jesus would vote on Proposal 3? Well, you know, I do study the Bible, and I know, you know, um, and you might think, wow, Pastor Matt, you're kind of clever here. You had a baby dedication two days before voting on Proposal 3. Was that my intention? No, that was their date that worked for them. But you know what? God works all things together for good now, doesn't he? So children are a blessing from the Lord. Make sure that when you uh, vote, I pray, my prayer is that you would vote biblically, that you would look through God's eyes at the issues and at the candidates. Um, I know that there was a guy who desperately wanted to have children, him and his wife, and his name was Abram, and his wife was Sarai. Now their story is in the first book of the Bible. Trivia question for all of us, we like trivia, what's the name of the first book in the Bible? All right, Genesis. Now it's so much more than that old band with Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel. It's the beginning, as the name uh, means, it's the beginning of creation. It's the beginning of us. It's, it's the beginning of God's chosen people, which we're going to see in Genesis chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, open up to Genesis 12. If you want a Bible, Look at the chair in front of you. There's probably a Bible there. It's free. That We buy them for that purpose. So that if you want to take it home with you, take it home. You want the, the big blue one? Uh, it's the biggest print we could get, okay, for some of us who have a hard time seeing these days. And I'm including myself in that. It won't be long before I have to wear my glasses up here um, that I wear when I drive. But um, free Bible. There's some on the bookshelves back there for those 
Um, in the cheap seats, you guys hear me back there in the cheap? Oh, hey, all right, they're, they're waving. Yeah, help, help yourself, there's Bibles there. So we're in Genesis 12. This is a story about a famous couple, Abraham, which I will probably say Abraham, but it's, his original name was Abram. Abram means exalted father. Exalted father. And his wife Sarai means princess. Okay, so she was a, so it's like, it's just like a Cinderella story. He married a princess, right? I mean, so these two wonderful people uh, are not young, really. They're, they're actually, at the time that the story, we get to the story here of their lives, Abram's 75, Sarai is 65. And they're living in a place where uh, Abram's father, Terah, had taken them, called Haran. They had left their hometown of Ur. If you don't know, like, uh, I think a guy named that. You know, guys, we're not, we don't say a lot of words, so it's like, where are you from? Ur. Ur. Okay, well, I got a map for you, by the way. Uh, let's look at the map. So you get a little visual of Abram's journey here. So he starts off um, in Ur, which is really far uh, east, if you will, of the promised land of, of Israel today. Jerusalem today. And so he travels up. Of course, he travels on the river because that's where you're going to find food and, and all that. And, um, and he heads all the way up to the north part there of Haran. And that's where he's at um, with, with his wife. Um, and his father dies. And so I'm kind of thinking that, you know, when you move away, if you've ever moved away, maybe you're not living currently Maybe St. Clair Shores isn't where you grew up. If you grew up somewhere else, you may feel a little nostalgic towards that place. You may want to go back there because it was your favorite restaurants growing up, right? Your favorite playgrounds you played on, your family, your friends. Anybody like that where you kind of feel like, man, I miss home a little bit. It's it's not the same. Um, Maybe some of you came back finally to, you know, Metro Detroit and this is home for you. Well, maybe Abram and Sarah... Sarah, I wanted to go back to Ur and have those famous pancakes at Ur's diner or something. I don't know. But Abram got a phone call from God when they were in Haran. And the Trinity Network was really broadcasting well back then. Um, Abram heard it loud and clear. Go southwest. Go southwest. So this is where we pick it up in Genesis 12. We're going to read the first three verses. You can see they traveled southwest into the promised land, as as it's called. Um, But here we go. Let's go to Genesis 12. You have your Bible with you? Open up. Uh, Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so you, want, so you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse him. And in you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's quite a promise. Something you should know about God. He doesn't give you all the details up front when he calls you. You just need to take one day at a time. That's how he develops your faith. Man, if we could let that sink in. That God doesn't give us all the details up front. He just wants us to trust him one day at a time. Which is why when he gave manna, the bread from heaven, it was one day at a time. And he tells Abram to go to a land that I will show you. And that's all God says. And some of you could not 
handle this vague assignment? Where? When? How far do I go? What do I need to bring? Who will be there? Are there a thousand unanswered questions that would pop into your head? Am I right? I work with someone who has to know all of the details all of the time, and I won't say her name, but you know who it is. I love you. (laughs) But God says, I'll show you, and that's it. And that's it. He just says, I'll show you, verse 1. Verse 2 and 3, there are three promises to Abraham, to Abram. And I've been talking the last couple months about God's promises versus common sayings that we have. So if you go on our YouTube channel, our website, you'll see there's a lot of sayings that we have as Christians that aren't necessarily God's promises. I kind of uncovered a lot of those and, and pointed you to what God's promise really is. Well, here's God's promise to Abraham, which is the title this morning. And it's a big promise because it, it's really a promise to us. It's a promise to bless us today. First of all, the promises in verses 2 and 3, we see that he's going to give Abram a large chunk of real estate, a nice inheritance, a land called Canaan, a land we call the milk and honey. Right? In the Bible, we see that. A promise to Abram to multiply his family into a nation. I just can't even fathom that. Like, imagine God saying, yeah, you're going to have a big family. No, not a big family. A huge family. Like, it's going to become a nation. I mean, if I had a family, I guess we would be the Trombleyites or something. There's a lot of ites in the... Probably not good. Or probably good I don't have one. But I promise many blessings, God says. Not just for you, but for your family and for all people through you. This is an amazing promise. This is a great land, a great nation, and great blessings. But again, very few details. So Abram obeys God, and he moves to Canaan. He moves down to this place. And God blesses him. Amazing. I mean, if you read through, if you start reading Genesis 12, which I would encourage you to do, as a follow-up to this message, is go ahead and start reading and see what happens. I will give you some of the details. But even when there was a famine in the promised land, God, you know, they moved down to Egypt. They went further away and relocated temporarily. But God blessed them even there. Even when Abram did things he probably shouldn't have done, like, hey, this isn't my wife, this is my sister. Like, there's some things that happen, but God still blessed them. Even when Abram's nephew Lot was taken, by, um, ca- taken captive in, in, in a war, in a battle with those people in that, in that land, he lived in Sodom. He was taken prisoner, and Abram was the one who chased him down and overtook his captors and brought him back. Abram blessed God used Abram to bless many people. In fact, he blessed kings. He blessed the king of of Sodom. And then he blessed a very mysterious king named the king of Salem. The king of Salem. His name was Melchizedek. Melchizedek. And what's mysterious about Melchizedek is there's no lineage behind him. There's no genealogy. Like, we don't know where he comes from. He just shows up here in in the Bible, and we don't know a lot about him. But when you read in the New Testament in Hebrews, you find out that this Melchizedek is a, is a priest of the Most High. Moses, who wrote this, he says he's the priest of God Most High, El Yan, uh, God Most High. And, and he's actually a type 
a foreshadowing of the great high priest we call Jesus Christ. That's who Melchizedek is. In fact, in Hebrews 5, verses 5 and 6, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by God. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So this is um, a wonderful foreshadowing, a wonderful type, but God blesses Melchizedek from Abraham. How does he do that? How does Abraham bless Melchizedek? The answer is he gives him a tithe. He gives him a tenth. That's what the word tithe means. It means a tenth. He gives him 10% of all that he had. That's what Abram does. And Abram was wealthy. He had a lot. But he gives him 10% of all he had to this king of Salem, Melchizedek. And sometimes people will ask me, do you think Christians should still tithe? And they're asking because it's in the Old Testament and they think it comes from the law of Moses. But we see here it doesn't come from the law of Moses. Moses isn't even born yet. Abram gives a tenth to God. In fact, the very first two brothers in the Bible are Cain and Abel, and they give their first fruits to God. They give a tithe to God. I'm going to tell you, I don't think Christians should tithe. I think you should tithe and bring your offerings. I think tithing's the bare minimum when it comes to giving to God. And sadly, the average Christian gives 2% of their money to God. If only Christians would understand or could understand what happens when you give your tithe and offerings to God. When you faithfully give and cheerfully give. And I'm not preaching the prosperity gospel when I tell you this right now. Blessings flow to you when you give faithfully to God. The reason why I know this is because there's one time in Scripture where God actually says, you can test me. Only once. Does God say, test me? It's in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Just listen to this prophet speaking to the nation, saying, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You're cursed with a curse because you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. What should you do to correct this? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And therefore, thereby, put me to the test. That's what God says, the Lord of hosts. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. The blessings that come from faithful givers or come upon the faithful giver and honestly, there's a lot of reasons why people don't give faithfully and cheerfully and proportionally, this 10%, that's what we say, is give proportionally and cheerfully. But the reason why we don't is because we see money as ours. We don't see it as a blessing from the Lord. When we see it as a blessing from the Lord, like our children and everything else that we have, when we see through God's eyes, we begin to see like money is something we manage for God. We're stewards of that money. And then we can give it cheerfully. Then it's much easier because we're not holding on to it. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. No, it's not. It's God's. Have an open hand and see what God will do in your life. 
So I would encourage you to test God. Just in that one area, though. <laughs> no other areas. So Melchizedek is blessed by Abram, as God promised. And Abram is getting blessed over and over. He's powerful in the land of Canaan. He's wealthy beyond belief. But he still doesn't have children. He wants to hear a baby cry. He wants to raise a child. And he doesn't have one. So he's kind of asking God, like, God, what's up? So we go to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15. I'm listening for the pages turning. I just want to hear. Or at least the swiping if you're using your, your phone. Genesis 15. We're going to kind of um, jump through this chapter here with some verses. Verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? I continue childless. He's heartbroken. Verse 5, he brought him outside and he said, Look up towards heaven and number the stars if you can count them. So shall your offspring be, Abram. And this is the best verse in the Bible, perhaps. He believed the Lord. And because he believed the Lord, because he had faith, God counted that as righteousness. Which is why in Romans, the whole, the whole book of Romans, the righteous shall live by faith. What makes you righteous? Is it your works? Is it honoring the sacraments? No. It's your faith. Because you're saved by grace alone through faith. Amen? Verse 7. He said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur, of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to possess. But verse 8, he says, Oh, Lord God, how am I going to know? I love it when you guys say this in the Bible. How do I know for sure Moses is going to do this, as we'll see? How do I know you're good with your promise, God? How do you make a binding agreement today? In today's world, how do we make a binding agreement? I love reverting back to the old days, you know, like, in the old days, we'd spit on it and shake on it. Am I right? If you did that today, people are like, COVID, COVID, get away. But how did they do it back then? Well, in Abram's day, it got a little bloody. Okay? There would be an animal or animals sacrificed. And then when they were sacrificed, they were actually cut into two. Two parties then would walk between the parts. So they would cut the animal in half, separate them, the two parts, and then the two people would walk together through, binding the agreement, basically saying to one another, be it to me, this will happen to me if I don't keep my promise. So it's quite visual, quite like you can see, and this is the agreement that we are making. May this be done to me if I don't keep my promise. So Abram is asking God about this promise he made with Abram uh, uh, when he was 75 living in, in Haram, and it's still, nothing has happened yet, and, and Abram's probably thinking, you know, God, I moved again? <laughs> I went all the way down to this promised land, and we're not getting any younger Okay, like this is now, they're, they're getting older. And um, how do we know you're keeping this promise? Well, verse 9. 
God said, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Five animals. He brought them all these. He cut them in half, laid each over against the other, but he didn't cut the birds in half. Verse 12, the sun was going down. A deep sleep fell on Abram. Behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And here's the promise again, but with details. Some are good, some not so good. Verse 13, the Lord says to Abram, Know for certain your offspring will be sojourners in a land that's not theirs. They will end up being servants there. They will be afflicted for 400 years there. And that's talking about what? Egypt, Exodus, which is where we're going next, next week. But I will bring judgment on the nation, on that nation, on the Egyptians. And they, um, that they serve, there will be ten plagues, as we'll see. And afterward, they will, you will come out with great possessions. They looted those Egyptians, as God told them to do, and came out with great possessions. Verse 15, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you will be buried in a good old age. And they will then come back in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now, this is what I think is very interesting here, is that the fact that Abram was already in the promised land. So why is God sending them out of the promised land to Egypt, which they will be there for 400 years, and then bringing them back? This is the clue to it. The iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. They were in that land and possessing it, but God is so patient with them, waiting, them to, waiting for them to repent of their sin. But they, they, don't, they won't eventually do it. And so he's waiting. It's not yet complete as it, as it says here. Waiting for them to repent. Joshua would lead the, the Israelites into uh, the promised land in the book of Joshua. But then verse 17, the sun goes down and it's dark and behold, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passes between the two pieces. Where's Abram? He's not passing between the two pieces. It's God who's going between the two pieces. And that's so significant because this promise is not conditional. It's unconditional. God will bless Abram. God will make him into a great nation. He will give him this great land. He will bless him and bless us because of him. And God promised it, and God doesn't break his promises. He's a promise keeper. He will keep his promise, and there's nothing that will take that promise away. And that's what that symbolizes right there. That's that agreement. Verse 18, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying to your offspring, I give this land, and now he gives little details, by the way. From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And then he says in verse 19, this is the land that's currently living in there. The Canaanites, the Kenizzites, the Cabanites, and all the other termites that are in verse 20 and 21. I don't want to read them all to you. But I want you to know why it's important that this is a blood covenant. God has always said that life is in the blood. Right? If you bleed out, you die. I mean, the life is in the blood. This is serious business. God doesn't make willy-nilly promises. These are life and death promises, and God has continues, continued to make blood covenant promises. With Moses, he made a promise. The promise was that the people would sacrifice an animal, and then the blood would be sprinkled on the altar. And Hebrews 9.22 tells us that under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. 
Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Remember that. There's lots of ways people try to get forgiven these days. There's all kinds of paths, they think, to, to heaven. But without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Don't worry, though. You don't have to sacrifice any animals. All right? Because God made a blood covenant with us Christians. Jesus calls it the new covenant. And it has to do with communion, which we had today, the Eucharist. Luke 22.20, the cup. Afterward, he had eaten, and he took the cup, and he said, this is poured out for you. This is the new covenant in my blood. Ephesians 1.7, it's in Jesus Christ that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Praise the Lord that we don't have to sacrifice any animals, that all we need to do is go to the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess our sins. He is faithful and just. The cross, he bore our sins. He shed his blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Well, you keep reading in Genesis, and it's 20 years later, and Sarai's getting a little impatient, and so she takes her maidservant, Hagar, and she gives her to Abram, and they have Ishmael. And there are many that think Ishmael is the promised son. Muslims would think that, but the Bible says, no, that's not true. Genesis 17, here comes the promise. It's getting closer because Abram gets a new name. Now I can call him Abraham, which is what we know him as. And Abram was exalted father. Abraham is father of multitudes. So this is how you know the promise is coming. It's going to happen. He's going to have a a child. And by the way, uh, he's 99 now, (laughs) years old. So uh, Sarai gets a new name too. She's Sarah. And Sarai meant princess. Sarah means noble woman. So I think that's an upgrade. I'm not sure. Princess, noble woman. I guess it's an upgrade. Okay. Abraham gets the details now before the promise is fulfilled. There's something else he has to do. There's one more thing. And we go to Genesis 17 for that. Verse 9. God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, after you throughout the generations. This is my covenant, my promise which you shall keep between me and you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Verse 14. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. On Wednesday night, we have midweek service. We're going through the book of Romans. We're in Romans chapter 2. And boy, we had a lively discussion on circumcision, did we not? But Deuteronomy 10.16 tells us the point, the spiritual meaning. Circumcision, therefore, is the for, of the foreskin of the heart. Be no longer It's always about the heart. God cares about the heart. The physical act was necessary, but it's about the heart. In fact, we'll see in Exodus 4 that Moses didn't circumcise his children when he was off uh, away from Egypt. And his wife steps up, man, and and saves the day um, by taking care of the circumcision. I don't know if he just was a queasy stomach or something, he didn't want to do it, but his wife steps in. And Husbands, do our wives not save our butts sometimes when they they step in there? Yes, they do. If you are uh, here with your wife, you better look at her and say, thank you for saving my butt many times. All right? So, 
Abraham obeys. All the men in the family are circumcised. And then Abraham turns a hundred. And what do you get a guy when he turns a hundred? A baby. (laughs) And his name is Isaac. And this is great. You laugh because that's his name. Isaac means he laughs. Because when your wife's 90 and you hear a promise from God that she's going to be pregnant and have a baby, you would laugh too. (laughs) 90, she has a baby. Well, this family that was here today will tell you nothing is impossible without God. Amen? And God has provided a baby for Abraham. His promise to Abraham, blessings for all Christians. We see this through Abraham's story, but not always right away. We have to be patient. They waited almost 25 years, and then God developed their faith, certainly through it. And I didn't even get into the scenario of Abraham with Isaac and taking him up to be sacrificed. But it's hard to be patient. We live in a culture that's not very patient. In fact, if you wait more than two seconds behind a guy when the light's green, you probably went, honk, get moving, buddy. I mean, we're not very patient. If you click on the internet and three seconds later you haven't got what you want, you're mad. What's wrong? We like instant gratification. But God doesn't always work like that. His timing isn't our timing. But it's actually a really good thing. Peter probably sums it up best. And these are my last two verses for you this morning. Peter says, Don't overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day to the Lord. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some would count slowness. He's patient towards you, not wishing that anyone should perish, that all should reach repentance. And I'm always so thankful for this verse because God was patient with me. It took 25 years before I turned to the Lord. 25 years before I repented and turned to the Lord and started walking with him. God is patient with you. But you need to make that decision before you leave this earth. There isn't a place that people go to that somebody can get you out. You have to make your decision today on this earth. So, is he still waiting for you to confess your sins? If he is, repent. There's no better day than today to turn to the Lord and surrender to him and have forgiveness of your sins. I hope you find that... uh, God's promise to Abraham is comforting. I know I did. I know I wanted to start with Exodus 1 today, but I just felt like you needed that backstory. You needed to know what leads up to Exodus 1. So we're transitioning to Exodus 1. I'm excited to see what God does um, through these uh, 40 chapters in Exodus as I preached through it, um, verse by verse. And it all started with Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob. And Jacob, basically, his, his 12 sons, The the nation is formed and it turns into three million strong living in the land of Egypt, um, which then we'll head out. We'll see how that happens. But I hope you're encouraged. Um, God, uh, he will bless you. Um, He will make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. He turns his face towards you and gives you peace. And we want that. We want blessings and we want God's promises to be fulfilled. But we have to obey. We have to walk with him. It doesn't just happen because we want it to happen. I think there's, a, there's definitely a, um, 
And, and I'm not talking salvation. I'm just talking about God's blessings. If you want his blessings, you've got to walk with him. You've got you to gotta see life through him the way he sees it. And that, the best way to do that is to renew your mind in his word and keep coming to church. That really helps to hear the word being taught each Sunday. Um, we're not here to entertain. We're here to teach the word, um, to help you get closer to God, and help you love one another. And what a great day it has been of loving one another. I'm so encouraged by all that God is doing here at Life of Purpose. Let me pray for you. Our team's going to come up. We'll sing our, our final song. And um, I make no apologies for going late. Uh, it was a special day, and um, it's a blessing. And so I want to encourage you after we sing our, our final song here that you um, stick around for our, if you're a part of Life of Purpose, for our meeting um, and kind of hear what's happening and stick around for pictures, family, and, and just get to know someone that you haven't talked with before. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us in many ways. I thank you for this service and the word and the promise that comes to Abraham and to us that you will bless us. Father, I pray that these words will, will sink into our hearts and that we will choose you, choose to walk with you. And I pray for those that maybe are here and maybe for the first time that something's stirring in you. I pray for them, Lord, to... To, to, to make a decision, to choose you. I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them. Your Holy Spirit would open their eyes so they can see the truth, and the truth will set them free. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.